Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you guys are good. Um, last week we talked about praise, and honestly, it's a little quiet in here. If it was, we just kind of like hopefully practiced some praise this last week. But um, anyway, um, there's just there seems to be just kind of like a heaviness here this morning. So I'm just going to keep praying. So Father, we just God uh, thank you, God, for your kingship and lordship. God, over not only our life, not only our family, but God, this community. Father, Lord, you are Lord over our city, Lord, over our nation, Lord, over the nations. Lord, and and your promise that your glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Father, our eyes are looking in hopeful expectation of that coming to pass. And Father, Lord, no matter what is weighing on our heart this morning, God, I pray that right now we'd be able to just hand it over to you. God, we just kind of give whatever's on our mind or our heart, whatever's been weighing us down, whatever's been consuming our mind. Father, we just, re- we just release that to you right now. And Father, we just ask that you would speak to us through your word. And Father, equip us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, over the last seven weeks, we've been talking about uh, the specific and powerful weapons God gives His sons and daughters in the midst of this spiritual battle that we find ourselves born into. And a lot of times it, you don't really know that or see that spiritual battle until you come to know Christ, and it's kind of like that veil gets removed, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in the midst of not only just humans fighting humans, but this is a cosmic spiritual battle that I find myself right in the middle of, and that God maybe has rescued you and redeemed you because of his sacrifice on the cross, the blood of Christ, that kind of forgives us and cleanses us, but it brings us into this new relationship with God, this new covenant. And part of that new covenant is that you have a new position in Christ, that because of Jesus, Paul says that he has seated you in heavenly places. He seated you with Christ so that part of your spirit when you're born again, man, it's seated with Christ. And God wants to equip you. What that means is that you're seated with Christ. That means that you, as his son, as the one who has his Holy Spirit in you, that his power and his authority becomes a functional conduit through his son and daughter by which he brings heaven to earth. And so so as God's sons and daughters, we have to realize, oh my gosh, we're in that position. And a lot of times the enemy tries to blind us from the fact that we are in that position. Just sit down. Just be quiet. Don't exert your authority. Just if you could just go along with the crowd, that would be what I would really love. But I believe in this last kind of like season, God has kind of like, no, no, no. That's not how my church functions. My church functions with my love, my holiness, the fear of the Lord. My church functions with power and authority. 
And we first looked at, again, our position in Christ. But therefore, because of that powerful position, that because of nothing what you did, all what Jesus did, you are now finding yourself in this position. But God has sovereignly provided us with powerful weapons that truly and effectively push back the forces of evil. And over the years, the church has lost or greatly undervalued these weapons, and in so doing, made the church impotent to the fallen powers of the world. And I think that we're kind of like, oh my gosh, we're seeing that maybe before our eyes. And so through this series, we looked at these kind of weapons, and I just want to kind of go over them one more time. These weapons are through, in a biblical lens, are the weapons you need to be exercising every day, every week, on a regular basis, as his armed, trained, and equipped sons and daughters. Paul says we don't fight like human, other human beings do. We fight with different weapons in 2 Corinthians 10. But these are the weapons. God's eternal word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but what? His word will never pass away. It's eternal. Number two, we looked at discernment. Discerning right from wrong. Truth from error. And a lot of times error has a ton of truth in it, but it's got sprinkled in seasoning of lies. And you need to be able to discern the difference in between the two. We've looked at communing with God, forgiveness, repentance, and praise. These are weapons that God wants to add to your arsenal. And that's why we've been really dialing in. Is What started this whole series is like, Man, in my heart, I feel like the Big C Church is not equipped to fight this spiritual battle that's on our shores. And it's not just in the ideologies. It's, it's the amount of paganism and witchcraft and demonization that are happening in this next generation. And part of in my heart is like, man, are we ready for that? Are we ready to be able to minister to people that come in with that kind of brokenness? And these are the weapons that God gives us to push back. Not only forces of darkness in your own life, but in the lives of others. Amen? So, a last weapon, the last one we're going to talk about. So we're wrapping up seven. We thought, man, seven is a good biblical number. We'll just wrap up with seven. There's a few more, but these are probably the primary ones. But um, a lost weapon has been set aside by the modern Christian church. And this is a major key in effective praying. And I think the majority of Christians are unaware that this tool exists. And our failure to use this weapon could be one of the main sources of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ. That issue, or that weapon, is fasting. Oh, saved it for the caboose. But let me pray as we kind of dive into fasting. Lord God, pray that you would use your word to build in our life a proper foundation, to establish good, proper ways in which, God, we connect with you, but also wage war. And Father, we pray that you would just illuminate this beautiful tool of fasting in our lives, and that it's your divinely ordained way by which you humble us, by which you change history by which you connect with our hearts. So, Father, we just pray that you would have your way. Amen. All right, so fasting 
A lot of different definitions, but primarily fasting is voluntarily abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. All right, so there's a lot of different fasting. I've done a lot of different fasts, fast some screens, fast certain other things. But for, the pr- for primary what we're talking about today, this is kind of, we're going to hold true to this kind of like traditional technical definition of fasting, voluntarily abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. To many modern-day Christians, fasting, it's an unfamiliar practice. Yet fasting was regularly practiced by God's people throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, with Moses after leaving Egypt, they have a tabernacle, a tent, where God's presence, God's manifest presence would guide them and be with them and direct them. And God was setting up his commands to them about how to approach him. So he's giving them instructions about sacrifices and other things. And then we read in Leviticus 16, 29, it says, On the tenth day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must deny yourself. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you, and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you, and you must deny yourself. This is a permanent law for you. Man, says it twice. It's a permanent law, and this is what traditionally known as the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Jews still celebrate that fast, Day of Atonement, still today. It's a permanent statute. Fasting was man's response to God's provision of forgiveness and cleansing, of deliverance, of being delivered out of slavery and into the promised land. God does his part, and he expects us to do ours. If you didn't participate in the fast of Yom Kippur, you were... In the, Israel, in the Hebrew mindset, if you didn't participate in Yom Kippur, you were, not a, you were not part of the people of God. Or how about the book of Ezra? They've been in exile. Ezra's leading the people of God back to Jerusalem. And uh, there were many enemies on the way. And they could have asked other nations to say, hey, can you, can you come help protect us in our journey back to Jerusalem? But, in, but instead, they don't do that. Ezra calls for a fast. They fasted and trusted God, and God was the one that protected them all the way back home. Or even that story that we looked at last week, King Jehoshaphat. These three nations were coming against him. He was a man of integrity and honor, trying to bring restore Israel back to kind of King David days. And he calls a fast. These nations are coming against him. And he calls a fast, and they pray. And God supernaturally solves the problem. They renounce the natural to evoke the supernatural. The most natural thing for us to do is eat, as you can see. (laughs) But when we give up eating, we're deliberately turning away from the natural and turning to God and to the supernatural. And it has deep significance in a believer's life. What about New Testament examples? Jesus started his ministry this way. But check out what his word says. Luke 4, 1 says, When Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all all that time and became 
very hungry. All right, so Jesus is fasting. He goes in full of the Holy Spirit, but then check out the results. Verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee after these 40 days, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Something happened in those 40 days. Victory was secured by Jesus. And I don't see how any of us can achieve victory without the same thing. He was full of the Holy Spirit, but when he returned, man, that, he was full of the power. Fasting releases the power of the Spirit to flow through us and your life. Jesus said this about fasting. Matthew 6, it says, When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, this is the only reward that they will get. Other people's observation that they're religious or spiritual or dedicated. That's their only reward. But when you fast, he says, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice when you're fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Kind of gives instructions. He's anticipating his disciples to be fasting. That's why he gives instructions for it. So the disciples fasted after Jesus left to receive direction and wisdom. We look at Acts 13. It says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I've called them. So these brothers are coming together. They're worshiping the Lord. They're fasting. And the Lord speaks some clear direction as to what he wants them to do. He appoints two people. All right, wow. Okay, so we're worshiping, we're fasting, we're getting some direction. But it didn't end there. Verse 3, it says, So after more fasting and prayer... The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out, not by these men, but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that said, fast and pray. These are the people that I've appointed. And in the same way, in that same just reliance on the Holy Spirit and not on the flesh, these men sent out these two men in the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave divine revelation for wisdom and direction. And in the next chapter, even they fasted and prayed as they were coming back from their journeys, as they were appointing leaders and elders. They would do the same thing, man. They would fast and pray and receive direction and wisdom from God as what to do. And another example that I don't have up there, but I have to throw it in uh, this, this morning is... There was a time when uh, Jesus, I think it's right after the transfiguration, but anyway, he comes back down, and the disciples couldn't cast out a demon. They didn't have the ability, and Jesus says, man, this can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Man, there's something about your ability and your ability to minister to others that comes when fasting is a part of your life. Now, what's the purpose of fasting? The basic 
spiritual purpose of fasting is self-humbling. It's the practice of self-humbling, humbling yourself. Throughout the Bible, God requires his people to humble themselves before him. Matthew 18, so anyone who becomes, or anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Matthew 23, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. A spiritual, all-the-time principle, whether you serve Jesus or not, that is, holds true. James 4, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Or how about this one? It's my favorite. 1 Peter 5, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us in due time, casting our cares upon him, for he cares for us. We are sober, we are vigilant, because our adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by our brotherhood in the world. But the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered for a little while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God resists the proud. Pride is the greatest, arguably the greatest sin. It's what it's the first sin in our in our universe. Lucifer is pride, mankind's pride. Pride is a sin. And yet we now have whole months celebrated to pride. God resists that. The responsibility to humble ourselves is on us. Not God, would you humble me? That's a bold prayer. But God is like, I'd rather not let circumstances humble you. That's not really my large intention. My heart is that you would humble yourself so I wouldn't have to use circumstances to humiliate you to bring humility into your life. Amen. A specific practical way to usher in that humility is to fast. My own journey, significant moments in my own life. A couple 40-day fasts, a few 21-day fasts. Fasts have been a part of my spiritual life. But I would have to be honest and say that as of lately, this tool has been unused by your pastor. And for that, I repent. But these tools have to be employed by all of us. That we would self-humble and that we would get close to God in his heart. Our old carnal nature opposes the Holy Spirit. It does not yield to him. This is a re- there's a rebel in all of us. There's a rebel in all of us. Galatians 5, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the, the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting one another so that you're not free to carry out 
your good intentions. Wow. This is the spiritual fight that you and I are involved in every day. And we as God's people have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And if we feed our flesh, we will be in opposition of the Spirit. But if we feed our spirit, then it's going to kill that flesh. And there's no neutral ground. What I want, what I think, what I feel needs to grow to what does God want? What does God think? How does God feel about this situation? And we have to subject that soul that I want, I think, I feel, to the Spirit of God. And that happens powerfully through the act of fasting. Paul articulated it this way, 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Wow. Wow. Powerful illustration. Training like an athlete. Not just shadow boxing, not just playing around. Paul says, no, 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 I discipline my body, training it to do what it should. The body makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Your spirit is made to be your, your whole being's master. Filled with that Holy Spirit, it's the best guide and compass you could ever have. But the, our body... Body makes a wonderful servant. I know. I heard a story of a lawyer in D.C. who got a hold of this mighty weapon of fasting, and he set aside a day to pray, and he fasted. And it was a miserable day. Miserable day. Every time he walked out on the street, he could smell the food, the conies, the pastries. He had a tremendous inner struggle, so... At the end of the day, he gave his stomach a little talking to. He said, now stomach, you've been very rebellious today. You've made a lot of unnecessary trouble for me. And for that reason, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to fast tomorrow. That is how to take authority over your own body. Speak to it. Get in line with the Holy Spirit. I love that. It's a clear lesson of establishing who's the master and who's the servant? Get in line, stomach. If you're going to have to, th- if you're going to thrive as a son or daughter of God to win the crown, you're going to have to establish the fact that you are not controlled by the whims and appetites of your flesh. And let me tell you, there's seasons where, man, that's really strong, and there's seasons where that becomes pretty weak in our life. but you are to be controlled by a sense of God's divine purpose over your life. You're not just shadow boxing. This is real life. This is a real spiritual battle. God wants to bring this tool into your life to bring humility. Fasting has even changed history. 
you are familiar with your scriptures, there's two common stories that we find in the Old Testament. Jonah, who God had called to preach to this kind of violent, evil people of Nineveh. And it's a wild story. He runs from God's call. He hates the Ninevites, but then he eventually relents. He goes and preaches a word of judgment against the Ninevites. Hey, 40 days, God's coming. And much to Jonah's chagrin, the king of Nineveh repents and calls the whole city to fast and repent. And they do. And Jonah's upset about it. (laughs) Anyway. um, Where'd I go? How about Esther in the Persian Empire? King Xerxes? Anyway, it's a wild story. If you haven't read Esther... But uh, the Jewish people were kind of subjected in the Persian Empire. And Queen Esther, who secretly, no one knew, definitely not King Xerxes, knew she was a Jew. And uh, the whole story uh, culminated where there was a, a general who wanted to eliminate all the Jews on one particular day. And Esther's uncle or cousin is like, hey, you need to go to the king and petition to save our people. And by doing just that, she could have been killed. And so with great courage and boldness, she calls her people to fast for three days. No food or water. Three days. Pray in preparation so that before I go and make, have this conversation, that God's grace and presence would be all in it. And so she goes and the king grants her that request eventually. Anyway, God is looking for men and women who realize the critical nature of our situation today who will turn to him with their fellow believers and fast to say God we need to humble ourselves we need your power we need your grace we need you to be shining through this life and not my flesh we've got limited time and if that Holy Spirit is in you there should be just a deep craving in your soul God I want you to be expressed and not me Fasting and praying can call forth divine intervention on behalf of this people. So, may we be a people like this. There's a great verse worthy of memorization, 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a great verse, but God was is always looking for this. Anyway, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. Wow. Wow. So four things we do, three things God does. Humble yourself. Why? Because, again, pride is the barrier. It's the biggest barrier. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and then pray. Don't come in with a bunch of pride. God, I need you to be my cosmic Santa Claus and I'm going to kind of dictate to you what I need to done. Mm. It's not the God we serve. Humble yourself and then pray. And then it says, seek your face. Pray until you get into God's presence. Now sometimes the more, the more you function and flex this muscle, man, the easier it will be quicker it'll happen.
And then it says, turn from your wicked ways. You say, God, I, I don't have any wicked ways. Well, God says, wait until you get into my presence. But through fasting, God will show himself strong, not only to you, to your family, your marriage, your children, this, this spiritual family, over, but also over our cities and our nation and the nation's. So my encouragement is work this weapon. Work this weapon into your growing arsenal of God's divinely empowered kingdom weapons and tools to deploy in your life. So work it into a daily routine or a weekly routine, daily. We need you to fast daily. No. Um, but work it, into, work it into a weekly routine. You know, pick a day and just be like, man, that day I'm going to just, I'm going to humble myself. And in the times that I would normally eat, man, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to pray for Anything that's on my mind, anything that's on my heart, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek your face. Or we may, just, we may just have future fasts and future calls to prayer. This might be a little, little, uh, little beginning of something. I really feel that God wants to lead us on a journey in this. This isn't just kind of a one-off message, hey, good luck. But we're probably going to be calling some prayers and fasts in the coming near days and months. Why? Because God's people have to be doing it. Anyway, the world needs not another politician or statesman that will rescue us. We need God to have his mighty way with his people in this great hour of mankind. And we all know deep in our hearts that we're living through significant times. When I wake up, I know that we're, we're, we're living in significant times in human history. And may that be a call to just cling to Jesus. Tight, more tighter than you ever have clung to him for his divine protection, for his divine provision, for his direction, his guidance, his protection against the schemes of the enemy, protection against self-deception. Man, so many cases this week. Just, oh, this is for his will to be done and his mighty power to be at work within us. So, Amen. That last tool of fasting, don't give it up. Experiment with it. Experiment with it. And there may be significant seasons in your life where God's like, hey, I need to really transform you in a short amount of time. And God may call you to like, hey, a little extended fast. Be responsive to when the Holy Spirit brings those prompts to your heart. Don't be like, oh, no, I'm just being religious. And, oh, you know, I'm telling you, it's the, it is... It's the number one way to humble yourself instead of allowing God to bring humility through any other door. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, just thank you for who you are in our life and that God pray that you would give us grace for this tool. God, I pray that you would help us incorporate this wonderful, mighty weapon of fasting into our life that we would... Uh, be a people that would choose to humble ourselves, God, that we would be a people that chooses to seek your face. God, that we would be a people that turn from our wicked ways. And that, God, that when we do that, Father, Lord, you are the one that comes in. You are the one that hears our prayer. You are the one that cleanses us and forgives us. And you're the one that heals and restores our land. And so, Father, I pray that we, your sober, vigilant people, God, would be 
your people in this hour and not be cowards, but be bold agents of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. I just want to kind of end with this. Let's if we could just stand and pray. I, I want us to kind of read 1 Peter 5. I kind of read it earlier, but I'd like us to just kind of declare and pray in this kind of ending of the prayer uh, time this morning. But uh, let's read this together kind of and declare it out loud with our, with our heart and our mouth and our life that our lives would reflect this. Amen? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt us in due time, casting all our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. We are sober, we are vigilant, because our adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by our brotherhood in the world. But the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after we have suffered for a while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.